Hello and welcome to Mac Bites episode 32. I'm Elaine Giles and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode we shall be hacking iTunes, trying to fix my narcoleptic iPhone and forcing iTunes to do what it should be able to do out of the box. But first, um, after a lukewarm reception of iTunes 9 last week, I thought I'd found the answer for some of our woes. Um, it was in a hack which promised to return the interface to its former glory. Um, but the before and after screen caps didn't look that much different to me. So I actually wasn't in any rush to give it a go, but uh, you did. Yeah, I found um, a, a website that was, uh, was, was talking about hacking. And uh, I figured there'd have to be more of a difference than the screenshots actually showed. Um, it actually showed two, two screenshots of the, you know, the, the top area where the play button is and the, the volume slider. And uh, it looked virtually identical to me. So I decided to give it a go. So I made sure that I'd uh, backed up. There's some instructions in the download that tells you exactly what files to back up. And then I followed the instructions to the letter. Uh, but I didn't see a difference. So you gave up like me then? Well, I did, but uh, in the thread, there was a link to another hack for getting the black background back. Uh, that appeared to be Windows only. Oh, typical. Now that I would have gone for. Yeah, so I did some more Googling and I found yet another hack. Uh, I'll stick these uh, hack um, links in the show notes for anyone that wants to try it. I downloaded the DMG, I ran it, and now I have a nice black background on my iTunes MacBook. So is it identical to the old one um, or is it one of those as near as you can get hacks? It looks a little lighter to me, but it'll do. It's much better than the white. And does it slow iTunes down? I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I only tried it on the MacBook, where I've actually only got one album in iTunes, and that was for a test we did last week. I didn't want to risk it on the iMac. Uh, we already have one major issue with iTunes on there, don't we? Oh, good point. I am still ploughing through 440-odd folders, trying to get everything back where it belongs. Yeah, you know, I could get quite adventurous with these hacks. Uh, of course, I'll be doing full backups first. Oh, yes. Scripts. <clears throat> scripts. Yeah, scripts. If anyone's forgotten, uh, what I did when I upgraded to Snow Leopard was I actually forgot my scripts that were on my hard drive. But luckily, I already had a backup of them. But somebody keeps reminding me about More it. by good luck than good judgment. No, no. Anyway, scripts, scripts. Get on with it. Scripts, scripts. Yes, talking of scripts, um, I want to be able to sync by album. I've created playlists for each album, and that was actually via a script. I think I found that on uh, Doug Scripts. But uh, it didn't work on any compilations. So what I have done is I've made some manual playlists from selection. But what I really need is a sync by uh, album, because I know you can sync by genre and you can sync by artist. But I want to be able to sync. I want to be able to just take an album off my iTunes and put it on my phone. I You'd think they'd be able to do that now because they're actually selling these LP things, aren't they? Yeah, good point. Mm. I did have a look on those scripts, but I couldn't find anything. So if anyone knows of anything, please let us know. I still want my green button back. It's driving me mad. You wouldn't think it would be so annoying to just have to add that option key in, but it is. So much so, um, I've given up. And what I've done is I've moved iTunes to a different space and left it maximised. And how does that help? Well, I can use the spaces icon in the menu bar to navigate there so I don't need the keyboard. And it was using the keyboard that was giving me the grief. I, I just wanted to click a button. That's a cool idea. 
And we shall be returning to iTunes later in the show with some audio feedback from Jane, who has a plea for help with some podcast downloads. So watch that space. Space? <laughs> watch that space? Oh, very, witty, very witty. Funny. Uh, yeah, uh, something else we discussed recently was switching between 32 and 64-bit mode. I tried and failed holding down the 6 and 4 keys on boot up, and there was also the memorably named... 32 or 64-bit kernel startup mode selector. Just rolls off the tongue, that name, doesn't it? And now there's another one. At least this one is easy to say. Uh, 64 switcher. It's a preference pane, and uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And talking of 64-bit, um, Saft for Leopard Beta 2 came out today and uh, proudly announced it's supporting 64-bit mode, uh, which is great news if that's the only extension you've got in Safari that's holding you back. But I'm still stuck in 32-bit mode because I've got other plugins. But uh, nice to see that they're coming along. Yeah, I've got some other plugins as well for uh, for, for Safari, so I think I'm stuck in 60, I'm stuck in 32-bit mode as well. Yep, because uh, they're pretty critical to my workflow, but uh, I believe they're being worked on. So maybe one day I shall see the full speed gain. Who knows? Full speed ahead, as they say. Indeed. Uh, I was using LogMeIn this week. Um, I think we discussed that. We discussed that the last couple of weeks. Uh, I actually tried it whilst I was out walking the dog because I could. Though I preferred Gazmaz's comment that these things need to be thoroughly tested. I also Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> It was, uh, it was a bit of a toy, really, but uh, you've got to try it. You've got to see how it works in different uh, environments. So I tried it at work um, at one site I was at this week where I can get 3G, and it actually worked quite well. But then I tried it in my normal place of work, which, as you often say, is a field in Deepest Cheshire, not far off. Uh, I can only get GPRS there, and surprisingly, it did actually work, but very slowly. I showed it to one of my colleagues. I said, look, I'm actually controlling my Mac, which is at home. And she was suitably unimpressed. Oh, dear. Though another colleague who has an iPhone and is a Mac wannabe was very impressed with it until she saw the price, that is. You seriously need more technically aware colleagues. Mm, yeah, what's important to them uh, is free minutes and texts. And uh, what's important to me is what apps I can get and whether I can get a signal. And now our main training room is in the main building, which has been decorated with lead-lined paint. I'm less than happy. Oh, but talking of free minutes and free texts, the O2 app launched this week in the App Store, uh, promising to do pretty much what Mobile Allowance has done for a while, with varying degrees of success. Um, it comes and goes, does Mobile Allowance, as O2 changed the back end of their system. Yeah, I've not downloaded that one. I did tell Sam at work that uh, your dad had, but then I realised that I got confused with mobile allowance. Yeah, mobile allowance is 59 pence, um, but this one's free and um, you'd imagine it would be better because it's from O2. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, um, I tried it on the day of release, downloading no problem, installing no problem, but I was left completely unimpressed when it wouldn't even log me in. Um, it did take my username, it did take my password, thank heavens for one password on the phone. Um, but then it just displayed a message telling me the network was unavailable and to try later. You sure you went to my leadline training room? No, I'm betting it was O2. Um, there was quite a bit of publicity about it. So um, I 
think the servers had, had melted. Um, eventually I did manage to get it to work and it wasn't actually that bad. Um, it takes your username and password and the password was horrendously long and I thought this is going to be a pain. Uh, but what it does is once you've put your username and password in, it prompts you to create a four digit pin pretty much like you have in 1Password to actually get inside 1Password. Um, so using that four-digit pin, it takes you in so far. Um, and then you can use that in the future. So unless you actually deliberately log out, you wouldn't have to put your username and password in again. So I thought that was a nice touch. And um, it then displays the minutes you've used and the minutes you've got remaining. It does the same with the text. Um, I think I'll be okay. I've used three minutes in calls. So I've got 597 to last me till the next bill. Uh, and pretty much the same with texts. Last of the big time users me. You are indeed. Mind you, some people never have their phone away from their ear and uh, you never have yours away from your fingers, do you? Guilty as charged. Well, O2 aren't the only ones having problems with the iPhone. Uh, there's been quite a few complaints about Apple's uh, new iPhone OS 3.1, which are flooding uh, websites and forums and, uh, and chat rooms, with one poster calling it the buggiest update that Apple has released yet for the iPhone. Um, these problems include iPhones becoming totally unresponsive, dropping calls, poor battery life, difficulties with Wi-Fi connections, failed Microsoft Exchange syncing, dead GPS service, loss of signal after syncing, tethering no longer working in legally unlocked iPhones outside the US, and I could go on and on and on. Oh dear. It's been dubbed the coma mode, and it's a hot topic even on Apple's um, own using the iPhone user forum. Reports vary, and uh, some people are saying they've got no problems, uh, but they do have one common thread, that the iPhone chooses to simply disregard all input and needs to be fully rebooted before it will work again. Some users are reporting uh, seemingly random occurrences, sometimes when the phone has been put to sleep, sometimes when it's locked, and sometimes whenever it just feels like it. Now that's something that I can confirm it has happened with my iPhone more than once, but only since the 3.1 update. Um, my iPhone is charged fully overnight, so it's. Um, I know it's not the battery, I know it can't be dead, and uh, if it is dead, then there's a problem with that because it was fully charged um, at this point. And then what happens with it is it just becomes unresponsive. It's as if it is dead. It acts as if the battery's dead. Um, you can press all the buttons you like and nothing comes back at all. Now you can either hard reboot it and then it seems to act like normal or it just, that doesn't work either and it just refuses to turn on without being attached to a power source. Um, but when you attach it to a power source, it, it as soon as you plug it in, it tells you it's fully charged. It just seems to kickstart it. But um, as if that lot isn't bad enough, it seems to have lost the ability to receive calls. Yes, I know that sounds really bad, and it is. Um, I get a call and I attempt to answer it. So you get the, the slider to um, answer it. I do that and I can't hear anything. The other thing that's happening is the screen isn't dimming as you place it near your ear. And... If the screen doesn't dim, then it's all too easy to put it into speaker mode or onto hold. And it apparently, from what I've uh, when I've actually spoken to people who have uh, been attempting to call me, they can't hear me either. So it's not a one way thing. Um, but it, it, it the call does connect, but there's no actually having a conversation 
going on. So um, that's not been great. Yeah, and I'm saying hello, and you're saying hello, hello. And we know how patient you are when technology is playing up, don't we? Exactly. And the thing is, it isn't predictable either, um, which is what the commentators on those threads were saying. If you knew what was causing it, then you'd avoid it. But you've no way to avoid it if you don't know what's actually causing it. So um, I, I haven't been running a particular application. I haven't had let the battery go to sort of 20%. Either the battery's been full or it's been half. And it just seems completely and utterly random. Yeah, and of course, Apple are being their usual silent self on this one. Um, but on a happier note, you can actually watch ITV online now, can't you? Yep, uh, good news is ITV.com are now using Flash to deliver their um, on-demand service. Now, previously, they used Microsoft Silverlight. And um, for that reason, I wasn't using it. Mm, and that explains why I had no access to it here. Either. Exactly. Nothing Microsoft installed here that isn't in a locked virtual machine. Um, so I was thinking that's fantastic because uh, if I ever miss anything I want to see on ITV, that's the end of that. But um, I had a go with it and not quite all there yet. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the BBC iPlayer. Um, for instance, the, the TV guide is snazzy rather than functional. Um, you can look at programmes alphabetically. So you get a list of the programmes that are available, but then there's no details. You also can't scroll that list. So the list pops up in a sort of, uh, not in a standard browser drop-down list. It looks like the whole thing's powered by Flash. So you get this list and instead of it popping down, it sort of pops up. Um, and you can't scroll it with your wheel, which is instinctively what I try to do. So you've actually got to use the scroll bar. Um, and of course, because it's just a list of programs, there's no details. So you might choose a program that's on two or three times a week um, and you don't know which one you're going to get to see. So it then has to take you down to another level. Um, there is a by date option, but that seems very badly laid out. Um, for instance, not all the programs are given the same priority. So you choose by date, let's say you choose a Sunday, and you'll get like one big program at the top. And then the other programs are listed underneath, um, smaller with fewer details, which if you think of how the BBC iPlayer works, um, it's, it's just a joy to use. It's logical. You can find anything by name, by searching by the date. You can go alphabetically. Uh, there's actually a search box. So it just, just seems not quite there yet. The player itself... Um, it's quite small. Now, maybe it looks smaller to me because I'm on a bigger monitor, but it is, I would say, quite small. And now with the BBC one, even before they had HD content, you could opt to have a bigger player window. And now, of course, you have the HD option. Um, you, you can get bigger still. Uh, this one gives you two options. You either have it to the size they give it to you, which is very small. It's smaller than the average dialogue box, so you get some idea. Um, or you choose to go full screen. Now, that's the option I would probably go for. But you can't watch it full screen on a secondary monitor or indeed your primary monitor because it, it really does go into a different mode and it hides the menu bar. Um, and even if whatever you're trying to do at the same time as, as you've got your TV program on wouldn't involve the menu bar, as soon as you try accessing any other programs, um, it flicks back to being a, a tiny window. Worse than that, I think, um, it has adverts. Now, I appreciate that, that they are independent um, and that they need their adverts. 
But the adverts are all I've actually managed to see so far because um, they start the, there are two adverts there at the beginning of every programme. Uh, and then the programme starts. But if you have to pause it, um, what's happened to me is that whenever I've pressed pause, um, it seems to go back and show me two more adverts. So I've seen lots of adverts and very little programmes so far. Yeah, that's one thing that I noticed. I've not actually used it much, but I wasn't expecting ads to be there. Like you say, they are a, an ad uh, channel. They they do get their revenue from adverts, but uh, I wasn't expecting to see the adverts online. The only time I tried to watch ITV online was some football highlights at work. And uh, yeah, it was in my lunch hour before anyone asks. Uh, and I couldn't install Silverlight, so I gave up. Well, it's far better than the Silverlight one. Um... I only ever saw that um, on other machines that actually had Silverlight installed. So all I'd get when I went, uh, and this this was right across their entire site as well. It wasn't just trying to use the player. Um, a lot of their preview content and trailers were also Silverlight. So all I got on my pages were maybe up to six adverts on a page saying install Silverlight to see this content. Um, but the other problem is, I also keep getting messages that the video isn't available and to please try again later, which um, isn't great. Uh, that happened to me in the middle of watching something, so I paused it and when I came back, I got two adverts and then a message saying the video wasn't available and to try later, so um, not great, no. Brilliant. So, when I said earlier on a happier note, um, you made a liar out of me. Well sort of. Um, it depends on whether a half-working ITV player is better than a narcoleptic iPhone, I guess. But definitely on a happier note, Steer Mouse. Um, Steer Mouse 4 was released um, today, which is Sunday, uh, and it's a free update to existing users. And otherwise, uh, if you are not an existing user, it's just $20. Now, Steer Mouse is the driver that I use with my Logitech MX Revolution mouse. Um, the reason for the major update is that it's now 64-bit, which I have confirmed. Um, it puts um, an icon in your system preferences, uh, which when you go to it, uh, previously it said it had to restart system preferences in 32-bit mode, and now it doesn't. So uh, it does seem to be running in 64-bit mode. Um, and the reason that I use it is um, it, it's just so fantastic. I've never actually used the Logitech driver. Um, I went straight to Steer Mouse and it is amazing. The updated one gives you extra options as well. And um, compared to either the built-in options or the driver from Logitech, that wasn't ready for Snow Leopard either, I seem to recall. Steer Mouse is just absolutely brilliant. Um, the developers also updated his website. Uh, and what I was doing previously was taking screenshots of my settings, but uh, he's actually given you some instructions for how you can back up the settings as well, which is brilliant. That will save uh, quite a bit of time because you can have different settings on a per application basis. So uh, one of the things I learnt early on when I was started using it with uh, Tweety is um, I have it set so it automatically, the mouse pointers moved to the default button. Um, and that can be in the middle of you typing a tweet. And if you use your mouse, it can send that tweet. And that's exactly what happened. I sent a half-formed tweet. And you don't want to be sending a half-formed tweet. So um, I changed the options of how the mouse driver behaved uh, in just Tweety. So uh, when you say set set up the mouse, and you think, well, I can't, can't take too long. It doesn't if you're just setting it up generally. But if you've got lots of different settings for different applications, then it can take some time. So to be able to back those up is, is a great move forward. Uh, and for Logitech mice, 
Uh, what I found was, uh, when I very first got my MX Revolution, um, it has a, a, an on-off button underneath it, so I thought, oh, save some battery life, turn it off, and then put it on to charge. But um, if it loses its connection with um, either the driver or the machine, um, not all the buttons work, and you then have to reboot. So uh, obviously I wasn't alone in finding this problem, so I solved the problem by never turning the mouse off, um, even when it was charging. But other people must have had the issue, and there is now a reconnect option in SteerMouse 4, um, which I find brilliant. So um, hopefully now I'm not going to need to reboot to rectify the problem. Uh, but in the meanwhile, if you are sticking with the Logitech drivers, if you do have um, Logitech mice, and apparently there are a couple of workarounds to get uh, your drivers working with Snow Leopard. So uh, as well as the link to SteerMouse, I'll put a link to um, a couple of sites where they uh, give you some workarounds on uh, how, how to get your functionality back. Well, you know something? My Microsoft mouse had no problems with Snow Leopard. It just worked. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yes, this is because it's only got two buttons and a wheel. It has. And mine's got lots of buttons and, and wheels and tilts and all sorts of things. Mm. Does this um, this Logitech mouse work, MX Revolution work with Windows? Oh yes, it does. And mm. uh, the drive that it ships with works with Windows as well. Mm. Might get one for work. That's if I'm oh. allowed to install the driver. No, you know, you'll never be able to install the driver. Forget it. You have trouble with a pen drive. You've got no yes. chance with a clever mouse. Yeah, but on my on my Vista laptop, I've got an admin account. I can do anything. Yeah, mm. until you try. Yeah, so I might just bring it home to test it first before splashing the cash. But anyway. you have got an MX Revolution, so you'd need to borrow mine. Mm, but I was wondering about getting one. You can't put one of my mice on Windows. It might never recover. Actually, didn't I... Well, if, if that pen drive is anything to go Exactly. By. Didn't I lend you an 8 gig pen drive? And what happened? You mm. killed it. Yes. You, or, and you'd said all you did was plug it into a Windows machine and the thing never worked again. I did, but you, I bought you a 16 gig one to replace it. So you won. Fair enough. What do I get if you kill my mouse? Let's not go there. Let's not try it. No, you only bankrupt yourself. <laughs> mm. Anyway... Um, one feature that we actually use is screen sharing. It allows you to control the Mini and your dad's machine without leaving the comfort of your chair, doesn't it? You mean my very, very creaky chair. I do. And it also means that um, when either of us wants to show the other something, um, and I mean on screen... <laughs> I'm not being drawn. Go on. Uh, bear in mind that we are in the same room, but the layout of the room means that we have our backs to each other. Uh, it saves us turning round and straining our necks. Too much information, and how idle is that? <laughs> yeah, well, all was fine until um, I think Snow Leopard was installed. I could share your screen and you could share mine. Um, we're back to, I'll show you mine if you show me yours again, aren't we? Um, and then suddenly it all went to pots, didn't it? Yeah, I can still share the screens of my own machines, which is just as well, because I do run the Mini Headless. Um, and I can connect to my father's, now you come to mention it, and I don't have any problem with that either. But attempting to connect to yours just gives me a dialogue box. Now, I would expect the dialogue box, because you used to get that in Leopard. Um, so I enter your account details. Yeah, secure here at MacBytes HQ, aren't we? 
Um, and after a couple of seconds, I used to be connected on Leopard. But now it just sits there on my screen for an age. And I do mean an age. It doesn't sort of give up after a minute. It can sit there for 15, 20 minutes. Um, there's no cancel button. Uh, there's no OK button either. That one dims out and there's no way that you can actually get rid of this dialog box. Um, it never seems to actually connect. So the only way to get rid of it is to reboot my machine completely or use Activity Monitor and quit. Now, quit what? Um, I had a look at it and I thought, well, looking at what's taking the processor, I would guess that that's what it was. And it was a service called the NetAuth agent. And yes, when I quit that, the dialog box disappeared. Yeah, I had all the ticks in all the right boxes in my screen preferences. I even went into the computer setting option within sharing and ticked the anyone may request permission to control screen box, but it still didn't work. Well, the thing is, every now and then it does work. Um, usually going via the finder, you have an option in the finder in the top right corner, share screen, um, and only after you've tried connecting with the NetAuth agent and then quit out of it, but it's erratic at best. So if anyone's got any ideas out there, do let us know um, before me moving my creaky chair over to see Mike's screen is going to deafen him. So anyone with any idea, please let us know because uh, there, there's weird things going on there. But now as promised, let's hear from Jane who has an iTunes conundrum for us to wrangle with. Hi Elaine and Mike, it's Jane from Perth in wintry Western Australia. Can you hear the background music of someone chanting Info Panel in a mildly hysterical manner? No? Oh, that's strange because I can. For the listener's benefit, I was one of the lucky winners of the MacBytes Busy Cal competition. I think it's the only thing I've ever won. And if I have won anything else, it obviously wasn't as memorably useful as Busy Cal. Otherwise, I'd have remembered it, wouldn't I? Well, I've started playing around with BusyCal and I'm finding it most useful. Viewing weeks and adjacent months is a big thing for me. I hated flicking back and forth between two months just to see, say, the end week of September and the first week of October. Prior to BusyCal, I had to resort to printing out adjacent months in iCal and cutting them down and sticky taping them together. I mean, how archaic was that? Well, no longer am I reduced to such preschool behaviour. I can now print out one page covering a five-week period spanning adjacent months. Yes, I am very happy now. Happy, and yet at the same time still incomplete. Yes, I am still hounded by a small conundrum to which I think you may be able to provide an answer. Picture this. A keen podcast listener downloads numerous episodes of audio and video podcasts each week, but they are always challenged by their monthly broadband download quota allowed by the internet service provider. Now that particular ISP splits the download quota into peak and off-peak allowances, which means it is beneficial to download podcasts overnight. This lowly Mac user has rummaged through the settings within iTunes, but has found that there is no way to set a particular time for iTunes to download podcasts. The poor confused soul also opened up Automator, stared at it in a bewildered manner, and then closed it again, vowing never to think they were capable of using such a mystical application ever again. Therefore, my question to you, O oh font of all Mac knowledge, is 
how can this Mac simpleton use Automator or Apple Scripts or some such magic to wake the Mac at a set time of the night and tell iTunes to refresh or download podcasts? If you can enlighten me on such Mac wizardry, I will forever be your humble servant. Oh, and I might buy you a pint of orange juice at the Liverpool tweet-up in December. See ya! Great to hear from you, Jane. Um, Despite your rather amazing revelation that Australia isn't always warm and sunny. I'm shocked! Yeah, I'd like to say to you, well done on winning the competition. I'm glad you like the software. But I'm sorry, that uh, info panel needs a bit more practice to compete with Elaine. Info panel? Yeah, and there's only so long a running a gag can run for. Not when it's my info panel. Although my tech-enabled nighty is rumoured to be making a reappearance soon. So a good gag never dies, it just hibernates. But more importantly, on to Jane's question and um, even more importantly, a solution. Yes, Jane, it can be done and in more than one way. <laughs> Spoke for Joyce. So here goes with several different ways and you can let us know which one you choose. Yeah, I had the same issue as Jane. Uh, not the bandwidth restrictions, but I wanted to automate the downloading of podcasts each night. Uh, sometimes if I forgot to download one or two nights, when I eventually did, some of my podcasts, which are daily, uh, I'd be missing episodes or I'd have to click the get all button. Uh, and even that had problems because uh, some of the feeds uh, got uh, messed up for some of our podcasts and I, they ended up duplicating. So if I clicked get all, I'd end up duplicating uh, some of the podcasts I had. I had a system set up when I was on Leopard and using iCal, but that needs changing now. So I'll actually be selecting one of these methods that we're going to discuss as well. So, OK, here goes. The key to making the thing work is to have a way of ensuring that iTunes is open and then forcing it to check for updates to the podcast you're subscribed to. Now, for that, you'll need a script, but don't panic. It's really simple and included in the show notes for good measure, both as a script and an application, more of which later. But if you want to do it yourself... Yeah, you uh, open up the Apple Script Editor. It used to be called the Script Editor, but now it's called the Apple Script Editor. And uh, copy and paste the code that we'll put into the show notes. You uh, save the, uh, the script and you give it a name. You can save it anywhere. So you put it in your documents on your desktop. Well, no, don't put it on your desktop. But uh, yeah, put it in your documents or anywhere you like. Put it somewhere that you back up. <clears throat> Right. Um, now, obviously, running that script will do just what you need. But the next issue is how to have it happen at a set time and when you're not there to set it going. And for that, you've got a few options, too. Yeah, what I did is I created a repeating event in iCal for the appropriate time and I set an alarm where the alarm type is run script. There's, uh, if you're not familiar with the alarms, uh, there's a drop down list. You get different options and one of them is run script. So select run script, select the name of the script. Uh, the problem was that uh, with me, I had no way to stop it syncing the events to the phone. So because I had them every night, um, I actually had them on a separate dedicated calendar, but it would make no difference if they were on an existing calendar mingled in with uh, other appointments. But uh, they all transferred over to the phone. 
Well, one way to avoid these calendar problems is to remove iCal from the equation and use something else to initiate the script. So one alternative for that is an application called Script Timer from Apps and More, which is Snow Leopard compatible, but it does cost $12. Yeah, this is something that I briefly mentioned a while back, but uh, Script Timer comes with a selection of scripts. Uh, you actually get more when you uh, pay or register. You've got a 30-day trial. And one of the scripts that you actually get uh, without paying uh, is uh, to open iTunes and update podcasts. Uh, you can also tell it to run uh, any other script that you might have created. So it, it is a very, very versatile piece of software. It's, it's not just used for this one feature, but this, this one script that it comes with is, is exactly what we want. Now, the schedule engine from that uh, script timer application runs in the background, so you don't have to have the app open for it to work. And you can set the script to run at a predefined time. So, say, every day at midnight or whatever time suits you. Yeah, you can also set a script to run at intervals, um, say, every hour. And you can also set triggers. So, for example, when you log on, when you log off, the machine goes to sleep. Now, you notice when I mentioned scheduling the script, I said iCal and not BusyCal. Now, BusyCal doesn't have an option to set a script as an alarm, but don't panic. There is an alternative that requires only one slight modification to the iCal instructions. You do exactly as we've already said, where you um, open up your Apple Script editor and you type in or copy and paste from the show notes the few lines that you need. You then save it, but instead of saving it as a script, you save it as an application. So there is a drop down and you can opt to save it as a script. There's a few other options and application is one of them. So you need to select application as the file type because BusyCal does have an option to run an application um, on the firing of an alarm. So saving the script as an application allows BusyCal users to do exactly the same as the iCal users can do with scripts. So hope that helps you, Jane. And as we said, let us know how you get on and we'll be claiming that orange juice in Liverpool in December. I prefer pineapple, but yes, we will. And of course, in relation to BusyCal, don't forget that uh, we have our MacBytes discount code, which will get you 20% um, off the total of your bill. So to use that, all you need to do is to go to BusyMac.com, purchase your BusyCal and in the coupon box, put type the code MacBytes. That's all in capitals, one word, MacBytes. And you'll get 20% um, off your total bill. And that code is good until the end of September. So uh, get your orders in pretty soon. Anyway, time for feedback and comments. Yeah, Lucy C um, put a comment on the on the blog. Said, uh, "Great show again. Sorry I missed the Apple event meetup. I'll try and attend the next one." Glad Elaine's feeling better too. I also love the app organizer in iTunes. Makes my life so much easier than trying to do it with those wibbly wobbly icons on the phone, where I usually mess up. That is a brilliant description. That's exactly <laughs> what happens to me. I really do object to those icons. Sometimes I, I'm pressing something and I hold my finger there fractionally too long and the whole lot just starts wobbling. So I Been totally there. agree with that. Brilliant, brilliant analogy there. Been there, done that. And uh, also, this isn't uh, isn't exactly feedback, but uh, one of my ex-colleagues uh, has written an iPhone app, uh, a phone touch app. Um, it's called... You have Dreamstar. a techie colleague? Yes, I have a techie colleague. Well, an well, ex -techie a techie ex-colleague. Yes, 
His name's Matt, and um, yeah, he is a student. He came to work with us for about uh, six weeks, I think, a couple of years ago. And uh, he's, as I say, he's written an app called Drinkster. Uh, what you do, you type in individual drinks or parts of drinks. So if you were drinking, uh, I don't know, lemonade and lime for us. <sighs> yeah. So exciting, yeah. aren't you? An adventurous. No, I think it's aimed at alcohol, but uh, I'll test it out actually with non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, type in the individual parts of the drink to find out how many calories and units are in it. I don't think you're going to find too many units in it, No, but it's well, worth a try. As I said to him, how many units are there in a glass of water? Anyway, it's 59 pence and I will put a link on the show notes to the uh, the app in the iTunes store. So uh, congratulations, Matt, on getting an app in the iTunes store. Yeah, he was one of the ones who didn't fall foul of the uh, ever-moving rules. Mm. So that's brilliant. Well done, Matt. And uh, on to events. Uh, before we do, um, just like to say we had a great evening last week. We had a MacBytes meetup. Yes, a real live meetup with warm bodies. And I don't mean a warm pint of beer either. Warm bodies? Did, did I miss something there? Mm. It was great to meet with uh, some of you and have a chat over a, a lemonade. Last of the big drinkers, aren't we? And we nearly won the quiz too with a bit of help from our iPhones. Do you know, we would have won the quiz if there was a Shazam for photos. I mean, how am I supposed to know who Zac Efron is? And more importantly, given that he was in the photo section, what he actually looked like. I can't remember whose name I did put under his photo, but it definitely wasn't Zac Efron. And yes, it was an absolutely fantastic night. A great laugh. Uh, general consensus was we need another one very soon. And your attire proved popular too, didn't it? With several folks placing orders for MacBytes apparel. So watch this space as all your Christmas gift requirements are going to be addressed. When but, you say um, my attire, you mean my MacBytes t-shirt and not my uh, MacBytes thong. You had a MacBytes thong on? I can't say. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> uh, anyway, you see you've spoiled it now because now they'll know a thong's coming. Mind you, there's plenty of other things, isn't there? Those hot pants look quite interesting. Oops. Uh, anyway... Who are you wearing those? I'm not You're saying. You're not saying either. No, you're just not saying at all. <laughs> I've got very quiet this end. <laughs> you, really? <laughs> uh, right, let's get back to events. Serious, serious stuff. Yes, because we have an event. Our next event is not this week. It was going to be, but it's not this week. It's um, next week and very early next week at that. It was an event that was originally scheduled for the 1st of October, which has now been brought forward to Tuesday the 29th September. We couldn't wait. That was the reason. It's another online event and this time we have a guest speaker, uh, Simon Bainbridge, who will be showing us things. Um, it's a task management application for the iPhone and for Mac. And uh, Simon's got a great presentation planned for us. So come along and support him and have a chat afterwards, too. And uh, as usual, to ascend, go to macbytes.co.uk slash live at the appointed hour, which is 20 hundred hours BST. Uh, and to log in, all you've got to do is put your name in the box. Couldn't be simpler. And um, with that, you uh, should be taken straight in to uh, where we'll be chatting from around quarter to eight. So um, don't miss that one. It's going to prove to be a very good one. 
But that's it for this episode of MacBytes. As always, we would love to hear from you. So uh, send your questions, comments, conundrums and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com or take Jane's lead and send us an audio file. And uh, we have a contact form on the website too. So um, you can get to that from macbytes.co.uk. We are also on Twitter at twitter.com slash macbytes. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. But until next time, this has been Elaine and Mike bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye. What we really need is Maya howling. And goodbye from Mayor, who was here for ten minutes. Is that all he could take? Yeah. <laughs> That's not good, is it? <laughs> Hope the listeners could take more. So do I, or, or they won't have made it this far. No. Oh, well. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I think we know that's you and not the dog. <laughs>